This is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Dean Hennessy. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage moving animals. Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football on Macquarie Radio, NTS News Talk Sport. You're with Rob Gilbert and Dean Hennessy. And what a rollercoaster week it's been for the Matildas since we first, since we last met in the aftermath of the miracle of Montpellier with the national side now safely through to the round of 16 and seemingly getting closer to the peak of their form. That's all ahead of us this evening. First edition news with Willem van Dander and shortly before we talk to Matilda legend Cheryl Salisbury to set the scene ahead of the Norway match and reflect on the tournament so far as her own appearance record is on the line with her dear friend Lisa Devana about to equal her tally. Then one of the most esteemed football writers in the country, the agent Sydney Morning Herald's Michael Lynch to give us his analysis from France of the Matildas campaign. He's been reading a lot of uh, copy uh, in the last uh, few weeks. He doesn't seem to be getting any rest because he's punching out a hell of a lot of articles and they're inevitably good ones at that. So Michael will join us then. Willem, Dean and I will look through the rest of the groups ahead of the knockout stage in the second hour, as we always do. Willem will kick off with second edition news and the latest in Socceroos and Pararoos Central this week. Some news with the Pararoos, the cerebral palsy team, heading off for a tournament in the next couple of days. Then we'll continue with the World Cup and our mate, the Chief Football Writer of the Leicester Mercury, Rob Tanner, to get a sense of how the English are reacting to the Lionesses run. Dino Willem and I will jump back into Europe to find out how... The, uh, the mid-season is going uh, ahead of the uh, resumption or the uh, next season of the Premier League and we'll wrap it up with a stoppage time direct from France and Edge who I think is on a bus uh, with his weekly World Cup update. Uh, Dino, um, uh, uh, it's been highs and lows, hasn't it? I yes. mean, when we last talked, it was right off the back of, um, uh, of the uh, Matildas' um, comeback win against Brazil. Um, we, After the we, devastation of Italy. Exactly. Yeah. We, we, we were reacting automatically mm, to the controversy of, of Sam Kerr's post-match remarks. Uh, and in my view, she seems to have redeemed herself um, in uh, uh, her, her more uh, measured comments um, after Jamaica. Not that um, I think our good mate Michael Edgley thinks that because he doesn't think she did anything wrong in the first place. So I know that there are two distinct camps on this. Of course, yeah, yeah. I'm in one of them. So um, let's be clear. You know, we, uh, we love the Matildas and we support and we've done that ever since we started well, the show. Um, but, um, yeah, Dino, your thoughts? Yeah, look, um, well, I think if we just go from the last thing you said there, I think I, I don't know many other radio stations or or uh, any anybody that talks about the Matildas as much as we do and, and, and the support that they've given us as well by yeah, always being all, available. Inevitably fantastic. Yeah. Always give us a lot. They never, um, you know, play down the line, do no, they? They always, always give you Always been available. We'll never forget that um, Chloe Legazzo, Lisa Devanna. That was chat funny. in the car. I did have a, I did, I did have a little chat about that mm. up there in Sydney when they were in camp, and she does remember it. Uh, Lisa remembers it very, very well. <laughs> so it, yeah. it was, it was most probably the best radio I can think of at the time we've been on, apart mm. from you know the odd little bit here and there that. It's really funny, but they just took control of it. But from an Australian point of view, look, I think we've put ourselves in a really good position now. Um, uh, and obviously, we've got to get through Norway, of course. And then if it was to be England, well, bring it on, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, just a shame it's not going to be the final. I know, it is, it is. But um, but football, like there's an old Jimmy Greaves used to say, funny, football's a funny old game, so anything can happen. Uh, yeah. But I, I, I think Australia... 
should be buoyed now, like especially with Sam Kerr scoring goals. I mean, you mm, need your, mm. your talisman that's up front scoring mm. goals. You need them in good form, and mm. she looks in pretty good form the other night. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, Willem, um, you got it all for us. Yeah. yeah, as you mentioned, Dino, the Matildas will face Norway in the round of 16 after their 4-1 win over Jamaica secured their progression. The Aussies progressed ahead of Brazil, given their greater number of goals scored, narrowly avoiding a clash with France or Germany. Norway finished second in Group A, wins against Nigeria and South Korea coming either side of a loss to France, but they were hardly convincing in that win over South Korea, and I think the Matildas should be confident of getting the job done. Well, without Ada Hedeberg, and we're going to talk about yep. that um, a little bit later um, with uh, with um, Michael Lynch, who um, has uh, written a, a comprehensive article on the Norwegians, uh, um, you would think that if you took Sam Kerr out of our side, um, into the knockout stages on exposed form that um, that we would have done well to get there. Um, yep. So unless Norway are, are absolutely chock-a-block full of depth and they're a rising team, um, we've already uh, underperformed against um, the rankings uh, in in the uh, the first game against Italy. So, geez, you'd be surprised if we do it twice, wouldn't you? Yeah, look, I think um, I think from a oh, sorry, no, no, so I think from from a Norway point of view, I mean. Your best player, most probably not at the tournament, but she's been gone for quite a while. From from what I'm from, remember, is, is that right? A couple, right? Of, years, a couple of years. So it's not like it's a, an injury and they're going into camp and then all of a sudden something breaks down. They've been working for the last two years on this, you know, qualification pattern. So for me, I think that they'll they'll be pretty confident about what they can do. I just think, you know, I've watched one of their games only, but I still think Australia's got a great chance of beating them. Hmm. Yeah, well, they seem to be starting to click. It's, uh, I mean, that defensive um, uh, weakness was really tested against the uh, the Brazilians, and you know anything could have happened because the and way it, and the Jamaicans with the girl up front. Oh, the, the, I mean, she, yeah, yeah, she stretched Khad- them. Khadija Shaw, of yeah. course. That, that's what I meant. Um, that there was that period where everything was teetering, uh, and it looked like we were going to finish third, only for uh, us to withstand that pressure. Yeah. Uh, um, Shaw to be sort of spraying her shot. And uh, and then we pull um, another one back and um, and the Brazilians score against Italy. Yeah, so we, we, there was a you need luck, don't you? Oh, you do. You always need a bit of luck in a, especially in tournaments. Hmm. Sam Kerr has become the first Australian, male or female, to score a hat trick at a World Cup. Kerr netted four times to ensure the Matildas progressed to the round of 16, rocketing to the equal lead of the Golden Boot at the World Cup. Here was the historic moment in Australian football. Barrasso, Carpenter maintains the run. Still, Hayley Rasso drives it in. Sankur! Patrick for Australia's darling. Kerr's five goals are also the most by an Australian at any single World Cup campaign. It was a fantastic performance, Dino. No, super performance. Um, that's what you're looking for isn't it, from your, your striker. And uh, I think uh, I think she's in uh, really good form, as I said earlier. And I think, you know, we've just got to make sure we keep her on the pitch. And before you, you go ahead, um, one of my favourite stories of the tournament so far is that Marta, uh, when she scored that goal against Italy, became the most prolific uh, goal scorer in men's or women's World Cups with uh, her 17th goal. So she overtook uh, uh, Germany's retired Miroslav closer, yeah, of course. Miroslav. So, mm. um, so that's one for the women. Tell you what, just talking about Miroslav. Miroslav closer. Yeah, I he, love that great he, commentary. Look, he was good, but there's been better. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a lot better strikers than old Miroslav. Well, Harry Kane got the golden boot in the last World Cup, and he won him for mine, wasn't the best striker in I that. I mean, the tournament. best German striker I've ever seen is Gerd Muller. Mm. 
for me. But that's going back a long, long way when I was only young. But make Dean a mental note to do segment on Gerd Muller. Gerd Muller, we will. We'll do a Gerd Muller thing, I think. The New League's Working Group has released a paper to work towards the development of a national second division. FFA Chairman Chris Niku stated the paper had won unanimous support among the multitude of concerned parties. Among the key points involved, gents, are that the second division should commence by 2021-2022, a roadmap towards financial stability, i.e. finding sponsors, and the establishment of a steering committee comprising a range of representatives, so another mm. body to be involved. But you've got to start somewhere, so it's good to see things being done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, look, I uh, I did see the document. I had it embargoed, so it was 4 o'clock. It was embargoed, so I got it about, I don't know, 2 o'clock, I think. Uh, printed it off. I had a little look. Um, I didn't have time. I was at uh, doing proper work. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, look, I think it's encouraging. I think it's on the map now. That's what you want. You want it there, and you want the support from uh, from above, and it seems like it's getting reasonably good support in its infancy. So now it's really a matter of going through the documents and seeing where it takes us. Excellent. All right. Well, and well done. Keep a, a bit of news for news, too. Uh, uh, we're going to talk to Cheryl Salisbury, the current women's uh, uh, record holder for games played for the Matildas. Uh, about the Matildas so far, she had some strong opinions after the first game, but she's a proud Matilda herself, a proud Aussie, and uh, will be super excited ahead of this uh, next match against Norway. So stick around because Cheryl Salisbury is coming up after the break on Box to Box. Box to Box. For Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, the king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal. This is Box to Box now. Our next guest is a legend of Australian football, the most capped Matilda. Well, for a little while yet, um, if the uh, Matildas manage to uh, go a couple of games further and Lisa Devanna gets a start in both of those games, she will overtake Cheryl Salisbury. But Cheryl, welcome Optus Sports Cheryl Salisbury, which is the only place where you can watch all 52 matches of the, uh, the Women's World Cup live and on demand. Cheryl, welcome back to Box to Box. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, well, it's it's wonderful to to have you on, and um, and look, it has been a roller coaster. Um, uh, the um you know the, the the lead into the tournament since um, uh, the um, all the drama of earlier this year, the 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 opening loss, and then the reaction of Sam after the miracle of Montpellier, and then uh, and then the more measured and considered uh, uh, reaction uh, to um, to the the win against Jamaica. Uh, it seems like the Matildas are, are finding their mojo, and um, and they really mean business. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean. Ugh. I think we finally saw the team that we've known for the past, you know, three or four years, that that team that goes out and just scores goals and gets forward and, you know, balls going into the box, people running with the ball. It, you know, it was really great to see and it certainly has been a roller coaster. I now know what it truly feels like mm. to be a passenger because yeah. when you're out on the field, you can, it's so much easier to deal with, but you can do something. watching that happening. Yeah. Oh, it's horrible. I felt. There you go. Well, welcome to our world. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I got a sense against Jamaica that um, when Kadisha Shaw was running rampant and looked like she uh, almost was going to take the game away from us, that that um, sometimes you've got to be really under the pump, unexpectedly under the pump, and you've got to stand up and just react and have no time to think about what you're doing and and just fall back on on your training. And uh, uh, Lydia Williams kept really well under the pump, and the the defence started to seem to find something against. That, that wicked pace of hers. Yeah, she, I mean, she's certainly a superb athlete. I mean, she's got the physical size and the presence and, 
Um, you know, the way she, I can't remember who it is off the top of my head right now, the way she pushed the defender off the ball just with sheer strength and size, it's, you know, that's that's just amazing. She certainly caused the defence a, a handful and, you know, it, there were still a few little leaks in the defence that need to be patched up, but, um, you know, the, it was what we really needed at the other end and, you know, the chances that were created and the free-flowing game that we sort of we saw, as I said before, that we're so used to seeing from the Matildas. We started to see those glimpses, which we hadn't seen in the first two games. So they definitely got their mojo back at the right end. Mm. And Cheryl, um, I'm of the camp, similar to you. Um, I was uh, disappointed with uh, with Sam's reaction uh, and, and the comments that she made, uh, and you were very firm, and uh, your credibility as a, a stateswoman of the, of the game uh, means that your words really have a big impact. In fact, did you get any feedback from the camp on, on your comments um, after the game? Um, and um, and where do you stand on those now? Uh, I mean, I, I still have the same stance. And I think, you know, if you... I don't know if it came across exactly how I meant it, but it's like it, I don't have a problem with her standing up for what she believes and standing up for the rights of people and all those sort of things. It was just the choice of words that she used. You know, I think when we've worked so hard as pioneers for the game as well as, you know, the current crop of Matildas that are out there, I think, you know, and just reading different things, it's, it's the negativity at the end of a game. You should be celebrating, you know, something you've done that's coming back from two two goals down against Brazil, you know, to win a game at a World Cup. That's a phenomenal thing to do. Mm. And to come out with those three words, it was like, it just have that little bit more class or, you know, it was... What she did in the next game, that's the way you you know, yeah. you stick it to those those, you know, people that want to put you down. You know, it's like bullies in the school playground. There's there's no point arguing with them. They mm. they get joy out of that. So, you know, I think let your feet do the talking or in her case, let your head do the talking and the amount of goals she scores with her head. Yeah. See look, I thought I thought it was really interesting, Cheryl, is that um last week this time last week it was it was quite surreal because you know there was talk of haters and stuff like that and I'm going well I don't know if anybody's come out and said that and I mean I know there's been some things on social media to individuals putting that aside though but from from whether it's the press the game itself pundits I think everybody is right behind the Matildas and and, and I know there was the the talk of a, what they called a siege mentality and I'm going well okay if that's what that's, if that's what's going to do it, well, then do it. I mean, there's nothing better than having everybody on the same page, focused on the same thing to go and get those results. Yeah, absolutely. And you're not going to get... I mean, I think the girls realise that most of Australia is behind them and you're always going to have haters. And that's the unfortunate downside of, you know, as, as the game grows and as your fame as a team grows and as individual players, you're going to get people that just want to hate you and just want to put you down and, you know, just obviously have their own issues to want to, um, you know, bring you down so they don't feel so bad. And, mm. you know, it's just unfortunate. I think when she said those words about the haters, no one knew exactly what she was talking about because, as you know, as we know, the Matildas have had a massive roller coaster in the last, you know, six months with the changes of coaches, all the stuff at FFA, you know, just everything that's going on. It left it so open to interpretation of what she was actually talking about. So... You know, unfortunately, you're always going to have haters, you know, and um, I think she, she dealt with it in the last game by scoring goals and, and putting herself back on the map 
that's the best way to do it, I think. Absolutely. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talks, but we're talking to Matilda legend Cheryl Salisbury. We're in the middle of a World Cup. The Matildas are a live chance. Um, we've been through the roller coaster. We're going to play an Ada Hedeberg less Norway on Sunday morning. Uh, um, how about that? I mean, if, uh, if Sam wasn't playing for Australia, uh, we would be happy to have made the knockout round and uh, and cross our fingers that we'd be competitive, but we wouldn't have high expectations. So uh, going up against Norway, um, you'd have to feel that we've got to be uh, um, a, a, a real red-hot chance. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously not having Ada in the team is, you know, I'm sure the Norwegians would be hoping that <laughs> Sam wasn't playing either. But, um, you know, just watching their last game, and mind you, I only got to see the 24-minute highlight package of the Matildas game because I was... Busy. Oh, we love the mini-match on Optus. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've, I've been in the middle of my uni exam, mm. so, you know, <laughs> I didn't have two hours and to wake up at, you know, 4.30 in the morning and uh, <laughs> would have been a, <laughs> Guilty as charged. We've done yeah. that plenty of times. <laughs> so, you know, these Optus games, the 24-minute games, are absolutely superb. Um but yeah, the, you know, the game against Norway um, playing Korea, I mean, I think Norway were quite lucky to, to scrape through with that win. So they're coming into the game against the Matildas, having known they've just scraped through against um, the Koreans. The Koreans had the majority of play. They had mm. probably, I think, three, almost three times as many shots on goal. It was like something like 20 to eight shots on goal. So, you know, I think the Norwegians, they got it that early penalty and you know it could have certainly be a, a different game so I think going in head to head to this game the Matildas are certainly riding the high and you know the the Norwegians will be a little bit worried based on their performance and you know a little bit of luck getting through and uh, coming up against the Matildas and the form that Sam Kerr's in. Cheryl outside of Sam Kerr obviously you know in, in, in tip top form after the last game who are you looking for in the current team that started against Jamaica, who, who are the factors for us to get this job done and make sure we get into that quarterfinal spot? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be hard to pick a, a starting eleven. I mean, you look at the he didn't play Caitlin Ford as a starter yeah. um, now against Jamaica, and you know she's an absolutely talented player. And you got you've got the likes of Ellie Carpenter and Chloe Legazzo that can just run all day. You got Lisa Devanna that can start a game. He's got so much choice and to put a team out that hadn't started, you know, with Lisa starting, um, Emily Glenn, uh, Gilnick, you know, she started the first game, didn't play the second. So he's got that many interchangeable players that he can play. You know, it's, I don't know who he's actually going to start. It's, you know, it's, it's up in the air. It probably depends on what sort of formation he wants to play against the Norwegians, but, Whatever he puts out, we're extremely mobile up front, um, and I think our biggest worry is just making sure we don't leak any easy goals in defence, or the VAR doesn't decide the game. And there was what, there was one concern on that, uh, Cheryl. That if you looked at the the actual Jamaica goal, where I think I think it was in one of the I think it might have been the first game, or it might have even been in um, games prior to the tournament where we were leaking goals, getting in behind us. And, yeah. and, and, and you could see once the build up, uh, there was a midfielder went on a really good run and, and then there was one runner going through and the, and the two central defenders were still quite high up and it was just one ball that just threaded through, you know, through the middle of them. She made the run and to be fair to her, I thought she'd, cause the, the defenders got back to almost try and block it, but she, she finished it well and I think, 
you know, I was a bit concerned about that because that brought them right back into the game. Yeah, and it's always, you know, and I think obviously the girls would have seen, you know, the way that she can play and the power she has and strength and, you know, her ability either foot to shoot and she's got a lethal shot on her. So, you know, once that goal went in, it, I know my heart was pounding. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there's, there's plenty of little clips on those um, little action things on the off the sport website of us behind the scenes and our reactions yeah. to goals and things <laughs> It's quite hilarious, and if you look at the way every person reacts, it's how they were as a player as well. <laughs> um, you know, the reaction of myself and, and uh, Amy Duggan and, and Heather Garriott, that's how we were as players. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, we... Uh we can't um, wrap this up without um, giving you an opportunity to give a tribute to your mate, um, Lisa Devanna, um, who is going to, um, if she gets onto the pitch against Norway, equalise your magnificent record and potentially pass it if we go deeper. Uh, Lisa just encapsulates all of the joy and passion um, distilled into one person uh, for representing your country, doesn't she? Oh, absolutely. And, you know... The game was my life for so long, hence the reason I'm, I'm going to uni now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the game is, is her life. It's sort of, you know, there's been plenty of little clips about her and, you know, it sort of probably saved her life from going down a, a bad path. And, you know, that, that girl loves playing for a country and she was one of the only players that didn't want to strike because yeah. all she wants to do is play for a country and, and that's who she is. And, you know, Sometimes she says the occasional wrong thing and, you know, but she, a lot of the time she speaks what everyone else is too afraid to say and it gets her into trouble. But mm. her heart and her passion for, you know, the Matildas and playing for a country is, is second to none. And I just wish if, you know, she starts the game tomorrow that I wish I was there to be able to be with her. And, mm. you know, she's been a good mate for an awfully long time. I was there at, right at the beginning when she was a 14-year-old kid and I wish I could be there for for the game that's going to equal me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you'll be there in spirit like the rest of us and hopefully um, we'll... Uh We'll get to uh, enjoy that roller coaster of emotions and look for all of our Norwegian fans, and we know there are many out there, but uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we feel for you, but we hope you lose and we we'll win. <laughs> uh, so, um, Cheryl, thank you so much uh, for, for joining us um, and, and celebrating the, you know, the wonderful achievements of, of your Matildas and, um, and uh, your mate Lisa as well. And hopefully we will continue these conversations and get to talk to you maybe in a couple of weeks' time when we're all getting super excited excited about uh, the uh, the sharpest of sharp ends of, of this wonderful tournament. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've got no doubt that they can keep going forward. They've just got to make sure they don't leak any silly goals. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, Cheryl. Thanks, Thanks again. Thanks, Cheryl. Not a problem, guys. And Cheers. don't forget, Optusport's coverage of the uh, FIFA Women's World Cup is available to all Australian school kids at no cost. So just visit the Optus store for more information and you can watch all the, the rest of the games for free. So uh, get on uh, to Optus Sports this Sunday morning from 4.30 to see the Matildas take on Norway in their round of 16 match. Optus uh, has come a, a long, long way since the Men's World Cup uh, in uh, in Russia last year and we're really enjoying uh, the Here coverage we that we're getting. Yeah. All right, and we we love talking to Cheryl Souls, which is an absolute superstar. We also love talking to Michael Lynch. He's over in France. We're going to talk to him next, Dino, on Box to Box. Box to Box. The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all.
Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talksport. And after a very interesting chat with Cheryl Salisbury, we uh, head over to France and talk to a man who is covering the tournament himself, uh, uh, the uh, Age and City Morning Herald's Michael Lynch. Lynch, you're at Grenoble Station heading off to Nice. Um, we hear. Yeah, je vais aller au Nice l'après-midi. I'm going to Nice this afternoon. Yeah, uh, le train. Uh, by train. So it should be good. Excellent. And uh, things seem to have settled down over the past week. What a, I mean, I described it as a roller coaster off the top of the show. Um, the, uh, the defeat against Italy. I think Italy have proven um, in, in the last uh, week or so uh, that, uh, that they are a serious side and, and one that, um, that may well go deep into the tournament. Uh, the uh, Matildas obviously bounced back with uh, what's being variously described as the miracle of uh, Montpellier and then uh, um, Sam's masterclass uh, against Jamaica. So, so uh, what's your sense of where the Matildas are at right now ahead of, uh, of Sunday morning's um, match against Norway? Oh, I think psychologically they're in a pretty good place. Form-wise, Sam Kerr is uh, clearly uh, at or close to the top of her game, but I'm not sure that all the others are. Um, you know, the game against Italy was, as you said, a defeat. I mean, it was a silly defeat, you know, conceding a goal from a set piece right at the death in the 95th minute is... Uh, not the way any professional team wants to lose. They did ever so well to come back in Brazil and that guy against Brazil and that gave them a great Philip plus the four one against Jamaica. But let's be honest, if they hadn't been Jamaica by two or three goals, we would have been saying it was a subpar performance given Jamaica had conceded five and three in their previous two games. So, you know, I wouldn't be raving about the Matildas at this point. I'd say they're in a good place psychologically. I'd say their key player is in top form. The rest of them need to lift, but they know it, and mm. there is improvement to come. But the issue, of course, now is it's a knockout. So, you know, there may be plenty of improvement to come, but if they make a bad mistake and get themselves eliminated, they won't get the chance to show it. Yeah, you're so, right. Uh, and I think it's probably a 50-50 against Norway. You know, yeah. I wouldn't say they'd go in as screaming hot favourites, although with, with Sam Kerr in the form she's in, that always gives them some market edge. Yeah, and that, that game against Jamaica that you mentioned, uh, there was that stage where Khadija Shaw was absolutely flying and uh, uh, the um, reggae girls had already pulled one back and uh, it was obvious to those of us watching on TV that apart from the Aussie contingent that the uh, the French um, local crowd were all supporting the Jamaicans. So uh, they, uh, the, the, the Matildas could easily have, uh, have uh, at one point when... Um, when the the, uh, uh, the matches were both live, um, finished uh, third yeah. and uh, and been uh, facing that um, that that um, you know sort of uh, dreaded potential oh, look, they were against France. And rolling after after Jamaica got that first goal to make it two one, they were rocking and rolling on their heels, and you know Lydia Williams had to make a good save mm. from a, a shot by um, uh, by Kalija, the big uh, number eleven. And, uh, you know, that goes in, it's 2-2. Who knows what happens? Mm. I mean, uh, it was 2-1 through two headers from Sam Kerr, 2-0 at the break, and they were good goals. And really, Australia should have scored more in the first half. They were all over them. It was a different game second half. I feel they were really rocky for about 20, 25 minutes. And then a bit of opportunism from Sam Kerr to get the hat-trick with the cross from Hayley Razzo, I think, made a difference when she came off the bench. And then, you know, shocking blunder by the Jamaican keeper to let Sam in for the fourth. But, mm. 
in the end, it really counted because it was all the all difference in the goal difference, wasn't it? It made yeah. the difference. Yeah. Yeah, Lynchy Dino here. Uh, you enjoying the time in France? Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, j'aime beaucoup la France. C'est un meilleur pays. It's a great country, I think, or a better country, anyway. Un bon pays, a great country, a good country. Um, yeah, I no. love it. I mean, I, I did do French for for five years at school, probably like yourself. Yeah, you know, I yeah, did. I, I, don't think, I don't think <laughs> I was polished. It's interesting hearing you know. uh, French with a Cockney accent, yeah. though. That, that, that is a, an interesting take on the... <laughs> I could... Actually, no, I was talking to a builder bloke. I was I was wandering up a path and I got chatted to a bloke and I was talking in my very basic French and he goes... Oh, vous parlez français avec an accent British. Yeah, I did do French, but it was only numbers and months and days. That was it. Apart from that, I forgot the rest. Oh, did you? I, I, I did it for five years, did O-level French. And All right, boys, enough about your French. Do you know, have you got a question for Lynchy? I have that got a, Sadly, uh, in 1973. <laughs> <laughs> I have got a question for Lynch. Anyway. He, um, obviously, Sam Kerr doing really well, and obviously she'll, she'll be uh, more confident than ever with uh, the performance the other night. But um, who else is, uh, in your opinion, doing really well? And, and, and are there areas we need to be concerned about going into that last 16 and into quarters and semis, hopefully? Yeah, well, I think the keeper's done all right. I mean, she you know, she hasn't been busy in a lot of games, but... Uh, but she's, she's maintained concentration, and when she needed to make a few saves against Jamaica, she did it. So I think uh, six for the keeper. Look, I, I feel that um, defensively is the problem. You know, um, it's quite a bit unbalanced. I don't think you picked enough centre-backs, because once Laura Alloway had to withdraw from the tournament injured and Claire Pockinghorn got injured in the first game, He's left with one really established, recognisable centre-half in Alana Kennedy. Yeah. So that's been an issue. They've had to drift Stephanie Catley across to play centre, left centre. Now, she is left-footed, but you're robbing Pete to play Paul there because she's your best left bank. And um, and I think uh, she's probably not as good at centre-back. She got out-muscled by Christiane, the big Brazilian girl who scored for the, the second goal to put Brazil two up with that header. So I think that's an area, I'm not blaming Steph, she's doing the best she can, but I think maybe that was a bit of an unbalanced squad choice there when, you know, without normally you might take four central defenders. Um, I think um, Elise Callan-Knight has had a good tournament and so Milicic rates her very highly and particularly coming off a very interrupted preparation which she's had and not much game time. You know, she only got uh, she only got 10 minutes against Italy, and that might have been a significant factor in, in why Australia hadn't perhaps taken a bigger lead, that they didn't have her on from the start. And then she came in a, and did a job at left back, uh, replacing Catley, who was playing in the middle. And uh, Elise is normally a six, and uh, but she's good enough to play at international level and adapt the game. So I think that's a, that's a pretty good effort. From, from her, uh, obviously Sam Kerr's had a, you know, obviously had an astonishing game against um, Jamaica. Um, she sort of not looked fantastically hot, actually, do you think, up until that point? I mean, one penalty goal, which was a pretty ordinary penalty, she got the rebound, um, and she hadn't been on the scoreboard apart from that coming into the Jamaica game, but she really found form with a vengeance. Uh, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I, I think I would, and... Um... 
I've looked at, like we've seen all the three games and um, and obviously the disappointment of the, the first game against Italy, then obviously the bounce back for Brazil. I think some of the girls, from from what I can see, that they are starting to settle down. And I think, you know, that, um, I think what we called it siege mentality last week when it all went a bit little, little bit haywire. Um, hopefully that gels them together, that gets them through to now focus on Norway. What's your thoughts on Norway? Uh, have you seen much of them? Well, especially with uh, Ada Hedeberg. I enjoyed your article, you know, about her absence and the contrast with uh, with Sam Kerr as well. I mean, it just just seems bizarre that, um, that that you know Sam Kerr would be missing, Lionel Messi, Ronaldo missing. That uh, you've got the acknowledged world's best player um, not lining up for her, her, her country, and and none of her yeah, explanations well, sound convincing. No, she sort of rambles. I find you. Know, I haven't spoken to her. I was trying to get hold of her, but without much success. But look. Um, She's a huge loss. She's the Ballon d'Or winner. So, I mean, you could argue that Sam Kerr is the best player in the world, but and, and that might be the case. But if if she was, Edda Hedeberg wouldn't be far behind, you know. And and uh, her loss for Norway as a striker, I think she scored something like 36 goals in 68 games, I think, from memory. was the stat I wrote in that story. I mean, that's better than one in every two, which is an mm. excellent record for a striker, isn't it? Um, and... She's, she hasn't played for nearly two years or for two years now. So um, they found a way to cope without her. I mean, I thought they're pretty stiff against France. You know, they played quite well. I mean, they only lost 2-1 to so that quite It wasn't an easy group with Nigeria and South Korea. No, no. And look, they weren't great against South Korea. They, they needed two pens, I think, to win that game. And they won it 2-1. But, you know, they started well with the win over Nigeria. Look... Mm. And, you know, I was, I was talking to Joe Montemoro, who uh, you'll all know, the former Melbourne City W League winning coach, who's now Coach of the Year in England, won the title with Arsenal Ladies. And I was talking to him about the standards in the various leagues. And he said European football, in his view, is a long way ahead of the American League. Mm. He, mm. he thinks it's far more technical and tactical and the, the players, the women players, are more technically aware and, uh, and adaptable tactically. Um so, you know, even though Norway's ranked 12 and Australia's ranked 6, this is no gimme game, you know. They came through a tough group, probably uh, equally tough maybe, or just maybe not quite, but not far behind the toughness of Australia's group. Um, they scored goals, you know, they got three against Nigeria, two against, they've got six goals, they scored in every game, even without Hedeberg. I think they're fed up with all the Hedeberg stuff now, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like and and she cops criticism. Martin and uh, I forgot how to pronounce his surname. Odeberg, you know the mm-hmm. the teenager that Real Madrid signed, the Norwegian boy. Martin Odeberg, yeah, he, he, he did, yeah. And I think I think there's a sort of growing mood of all right. Well, you take your ball, go home, and don't bother us anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, but she is a big loss. And the contrast, as I wrote, with Sam Kerr is enormous, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, well, it's uh, their loss is our gain. Lynchy, thanks for coming on the show, mate. Uh, enjoy the rest of your time yeah. in France. And hopefully um, it will be a long time yet before you uh, head over back to the UK um, to uh, well, have a reunion yeah. with your old man because, um, you know, if we can just well, sort of motor into the tournament. <laughs> right. mate, um... The longer Australia in it, the less holiday I have. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, mate, I, I, re- I, re- I really, really sympathise with your uh, 
with your lack of holidays over there in France, mate. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I was, I was going to say, uh, um, I don't think there'll be much sympathy, and I did catch up with the Green and Old Gold Army uh, boss, Michael Edgeley, and some of the Army people as well. Yeah. They're having a good time too, I think. They certainly are. Our very own Michael will be chatting to him at the back end of the show. Enjoy the rest of your trip, mate, and um, we'll hopefully, we, we may talk to you again before the end of the tournament if uh, if um, yeah. the Matildas can turn it on. Thank you. To Lynchy, Michael Lynch, uh, one of Australia's most esteemed sports writers, let alone football writers with the uh, age and, of course, the Sydney Morning Herald. Well, we're going to continue on this uh, hour-long World Cup theme. Willem's going to join us, and we're going to start breaking down a few of the rest of the groups and see what the knockout stages are, are shaping like. That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box. On a bumper, World Cup edition. Cheryl Salisbury, she's a star. Michael Lynch, she's a star. We're going to talk to Rob Tanner. Michael Edgley, well, he's a star in his own mind. In his own lunchtime. <laughs> we'll talk to him at the back end of the show. Um, and we're going to talk uh, about the other groups in the Women's World Cup. But before we do, if you need to stock up on your vitamins, you want to get into our great friends at Chemist Warehouse. Save on big brand vitamins. 55% off all of your favourites. Swiss, Blackmores, Nature's Own, Go Healthy, you name it, they've got it. And if you're not a vitamin or a supplement taker and uh, you feel like you might have a little ache or a pain or a niggle here or there, do your homework. Find out what might help you. I know I take um, a men's multivitamin every day and I, I just love it. It just uh, gives me that little bit of a pep that I need. Um, magnesium, good for your muscles, relaxing, really good sleep, turmeric for pain. You know, it's all there at Chemist Warehouse. You'd just go nowhere else, would you? It's the best place in Australia to get your vitamins at this very time because at 55% off recommended retail. And why would you pay more? Why would you? Exactly, gentlemen. What have we got? On to the Women's World Cup. So we'll run through the groups. We've got four groups completed as we speak. France and Norway have progressed with nine and six points, respectively. Uh, Nigeria are in third and look a good chance to go through as one of the lucky third place uh, finishes. Group B, Germany and Spain have progressed with nine and four points. China have also progressed with four points. Bit stiff as well, third. aren't they? They yeah. were indeed, yeah. But they will be in the round of 16. South Africa are joining South Korea on zero points, unfortunately, there. Group C, Italy, Australia and Brazil are all through with six points, as we know. Uh, Jamaica finishing at the bottom of the table there. And to Group D, the last of the completed groups so far, England with nine and Japan with four. And we saw how it went down with Scotland and Argentina. Argentina are a slight chance to go through with two points. Scotland, unfortunately, are out with one. And to Group E, the Netherlands and Canada are both through with six points. Where it gets interesting is Cameroon will play New Zealand. Uh, A draw for either side is no good. Both sides need a win. That'll get them to three points and they should then go through depending on goal difference, uh, whether or not uh, that could also see Nigeria through. And if there's no result, if it's a draw there, Argentina will go through with their two points will be enough. Into Group F, the US and Sweden are similarly both through with six points, the US with a massive goal difference of 16. Chile are on zero points, and Thailand are also on zero points. The only other alternative I haven't gone through is Chile could make it through if they put six or seven goals past Thailand, I think is what they need to go through there. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I'm looking for Thailand personally to just take get on the score sheet. Oh yep. no, actually win. To win, okay. Because yeah, yep. I want to win that group. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> always a motive, Dino. Always something else That's going yeah, on. Always a motive. Yeah. Um, now, interesting. Um, yeah, the, the Cameroon New Zealand thing. Uh, it's interesting, like with this, the way because obviously there's two two going through in each group, mm-hmm. and then you've got those four spots for that third place, isn't it? Yeah. So it's if you look at like Nigeria on three with minus two, you've got China. Um, Zero goal difference, but four, oh, they're already through. They're through. They're through. Um, you've got Brazil. They're through, and then Argentina. So really, it's Argentina, Cameroon, and Chile. Is that right? No, it could be either Cameroon or New Zealand, or neither. Yeah. Um, and if it's neither, it'll be Argentina, uh, Nigeria, China, and Brazil are good to go. Okay. Unless, yeah, it's all getting a little bit complicated. Unless Chile can have a massive win, and Cameroon and New Zealand uh, draw. Yeah, interesting. So obviously we've got the round of 16. Mm-hmm. So what what do we know? We know that Norway will play Australia in Nice on Sunday morning Australian time. Yeah. We also know that England, France, Spain, Italy, Japan and Germany are all through. So who they then play depends on uh, who falls where with those third places. England will play third place of Group B, E or F. France third place of C, D or E. Italy will play... Another third place. Japan will play whoever finishes first in Group E, so that could be the Netherlands or Canada. Right, yep, yep. And Germany will play another third place from ACD. I should also mention, sorry, that Spain will play the winner of Group F, which looks like it'll be the United States or Sweden, depending on that matchup. Well, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of people death riding the Americans right now, aren't they? Mm. Wanting to see them go out in some painful penalty shootout scenario with VAR involved after all that carry on. And, you know, they, they, um, the, am I allowed to say they were smart asses, um, after, um, the following game where they did this little sort the of golf clap? Yeah. I, I thought that was pathetic, um, yep. to be honest. I mean, I'm Sam, them. Sam got bagged a lot for, um, uh, for for her reaction, at least she toned it down. That's dialing it back up again, yeah. as if to say that people didn't have a right. I love them to go out early, yeah, really early. Looking at the top goal scorers, Sam Kerr has rocketed up to join Alex Morgan atop the Golden Boot tally. They each have five goals. Christian from Brazil, who scored against Australia, uh, is close behind on four, and then four players are on three: Carly Lloyd of the US, Ali White of England. Cristiana Girelli of Italy and Wendy Renard of France. So let's hope that Sam can uh, Sam, win yeah, a bit of silverware. Just yeah, it'd be good, wouldn't it? Yep. And I think looking at the game itself, I'm pretty confident if, if everybody shows up from an Australian point of view, we defend really, really well. Um, yep. And I think it's always different in a knockout stage, you know. Absolutely. There's talk about when you have to go and get goals and get goal difference and make sure you do all of those things. This is a game, this is a one-off. You win that, you go to the quarterfinals. It's... I think Australia, their past two games have been quite promising, and I did manage to catch a little bit of Norway against South Korea. They won 2-1, but they needed two penalties, and South Korea really should have equalised in the last couple of minutes. There were a number of chances that could have gone in on another day. Based on what you've seen so far, uh, Willem, yep. what's your thoughts? Who, who, are the, who are the leaders in the pack? Who are the ones that we're most probably going to be looking at when we get to the pointy end of, let's say, the call it the semi-finals? You know, there's, there's most probably more than four teams, but yep. who, who, do you fa- who do you fancy? I think France should have the better of their side of the draw, so they yep. should bypass Spain and whoever else falls into there. I think Australia and England will be a very close game. I predict one of those sides to go through. Italy, they were good on their day against us. I'm not sure they can go all the way. And then 
Germany also looked quite impressive. They topped their group. And the US or the Netherlands also looked very impressive. Do the Brazilians have still a, a little sneaky chance as well? Oh, I'm not entirely sure. I don't. Not don't, convinced. No, I'm not backing them in. All right, boys, no. well done. Lovely little wrap up there. Looking forward to next week. And it, uh, you start to miss the games, don't you, at the um, knockout stages of you World Cup? Yeah, it's the quality. Games all the time. It's the pointy end. Right? Yeah, it's called the pointy end. I'm sure is, Dino. All right, uh, boys, um, that is uh, the World Cup um, hour. Just about. We've got more in the next hour because we're going to talk to Rob Tanner. We're going to talk to Edge, and that is all coming up on Box to Box, where you do not miss a thing in the world game or any other football stuff that's going on around, because we're going to talk Copper America, and we're going to talk under-21s Euros as well. That's all next on Box to Box. Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilberts and Dean Hennessy. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage moving animals. Absolutely fantastic! Welcome back to Box to Box, second edition news with Willem Bendender and shortly then we'll talk to Rob Tanner, our mate from the Leicester Mercury, about how England's reacting. Um, television viewers apparently off the charts for the Lionesses run through the World Cup. We'll talk some Europe football, non-World Cup, and then head over to France to have a yarn to edge uh, in stoppage time. But um, Willem, um, Socceroos and Pararoos. That's it, Socceroos. And Pararoos Central for the Green and Gold Army support the Oliroos in Thailand as they look to qualify for the 2020 Olympics with the Green and Gold Army. Jason Davidson is heading to Korea to take up a two-year deal with Ulsan Hyundai. Davidson starred in his first season with Perth Glory, who will receive an undisclosed fee for the transfer. Ulsan a second in the K-League after 16 matches, a huge loss for Perth Dino. Yeah, look, I thought Jason, I've known him since he was a kid. Obviously, I know his dad really well because he played for my dad. And uh, Anyway, long story. But I think with Jason, uh, you know, lost his way a little bit in England when, yeah. he, when, he, went, when he made the move. I think but, he probably got a little bit ahead of himself yeah, when he went to West Brom. And sometimes you, you do, you do. I yeah. mean, it just happens. and it, You know, it could be a bridge too far. But... Uh, when he's come back and, you know, you're looking now, I'm really pleased for him he's got this really good move because I think that's a really it's a, it's a good move for him. Um, I'm really pleased for him because I thought he was really good in the A-League and I thought he was consistently good, not only going forward, which is most probably one of his greatest assets, but his defensive game was very, very good as well. So, yeah, well, well done there. Dylan McGowan will return home from Denmark to take up a three-year deal with the Western Sydney Wanderers. McGowan's just 27 years old. He's played a lot of football, so he's in, a prime, in his prime. So that's a fantastic signing for Marcus Babel there. Adam Taggart netted his sixth goal for Suwon in a 4-2 loss away to FC Seoul. And Daniel Arzania stated he's close to 100% in his recovery from a knee reconstruction and is expected to return to full training shortly, which is excellent news. Rob, you had a word on the Pararoos? Yeah, sure did, mate. And anyone who listens to this show will know that I have got a particular interest in the Pararoos because... Uh, it is our national side for athletes with cerebral palsy, acquired brain injury or symptoms acquired from a stroke. Uh, and uh, my little boy Alexander, he's 14 years old and he has cerebral palsy. And and I just love seeing people who are born with challenges in their life uh, uh, raised up to um, be given an opportunity uh, to uh, to excel and to represent their country and to uh, to do it uh, in, in a really proud fashion. You know, every every 15 hours, uh, there's a child uh, born in Australia with cerebral palsy. There's more than 700,000 people in Australia that live with an acquired brain injury as well. So um, our team will head over to Sevilla. Paru's head coach, Kyle Lamott, um, has finalised his squad, and I'm going to run through that squad. So um, it's uh, Ben Atkins, David Barber, Connor Bunce, Daniel Campbell, Cos- Cosimo Chirello, 
Matthew Hearn, Alessandra La Vergetta, uh, Ty Lynch, Angus McGregor, Augustine Murphy, Christopher Pine, who has 95 caps, and uh, with the two friendlies against Germany before they head over to uh, Spain, uh, may well uh, may play his 100th game. Benjamin Roach, Bradley Scott, and Benjamin Sutton. So, as I said, the two friendlies against Germany on the 1st and 2nd of July, and then they head over to the World Cup in, uh, in Spain, and uh, in Group C they play Ukraine, Argentina and Spain. So we'll be following the tournament. We'll contact uh, the FFA and uh, and get somebody to have a yarn to about it and see uh, how our pararoos go um, in their very own World Cup. I, um, many years ago when I was at Hume, we held uh, like a gala day for the Paralympics hmm. coming from all I over. I remember Australia. that. Yeah, that remember was about that? Two, yeah, yep. two years ago, and wasn't I was it? there all day. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Great to meet them and some really talented, you know, because of hmm. some of the disabilities and the things that, you know, that comes with it. Hmm. Some of the skill and the ability was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's uh, it's it's showcasing the ability um, rather than focusing on the on that. The what I'm saying is, like you're looking yeah, at, and you yeah. go, "Hold on, that, yeah, that's that's, a, that's a good, that's a real good standard." Yes. You know? Yeah. So there's not, you know, sometimes even it's like that's not far away. Yeah, well, it's high praise coming from you, Dan. No, it so is. Sure. No, it was good. We yeah. might keep Power Essential as a fixture for the next little while and yeah. keep an eye on them as yeah, they go through the World through, Cup. Through the journey, yeah. Yep. Why not? Miguel Platini has been detained in France following an investigation into the awarding of the 2022 World Cup to Qatar. He's very sad. Platini's a former UEFA <laughs> president currently serving a four-year football ban after he was found to have received a disloyal payment by the FIFA Ethics Committee. The French Ministry of Justice have confirmed You're he was questioned moron, in Paris really? on Tuesday morning. Ethics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Well, yeah I mean, where do you go with that? I mean, look, it's it's just it's just bad, isn't it? It's sad and bad. Sad and yeah. bad. All, all mixed into one. It, it is, and I know, um, you know, FIFA have done some good work recently. I mean, I mean we're 42 now, way. aren't we? 42 large ones. Exactly. Hmm. Real yeah. large ones. Yeah, yeah no yeah. one's done more good for the game on the pitch and more bad for the game off the pitch, it could be argued. Mm. Scotland have been eliminated from the Women's World Cup in the cruelest of circumstances, the VAR playing a hand as they gave up a three-goal lead to Argentina. They'd look likely to finish third in Group D, leading three goals to nil with 16 minutes to play, but from there they conceded three. The third from a penalty uh, VAR had ordered to be retaken after Lee Alexander moves off her line to make the save. Penalty, Argentina, to keep Argentina alive and maybe put out Scotland. No, Alexander with the save. And it looks to me as if both feet are beyond the line there. Now is one foot on the line. That's the new rule. Bon Segundo has possible redemption here for Argentina. And to break Scotland hearts. It's the type of rule that only gets picked up on every now and then. And mm. uh, Lee Alexander's probably gotten away with that for a fair while. So to get mm. pulled up on the biggest stage by the VAR, I reckon, is a little bit stiff. Now, I'm disappointed, Rob. And you, so should you. Because had oh, that, costed, have you? Has it? It, that would have got us 18 points each. <laughs> <laughs> Last kick of the and game. Just so what you're referring to. Okay, so tips. we're all doing predictions and it's where you finish and if you get everybody right, so it's three points for every right position, there's your 12 and you get a six bonus because you've got the whole thing right. And... Um, there's obviously Rob and myself who missed out on that last little bonus because of that particular penalty. However, Willem and Mike Ledgley, who's over in France at the moment, they've both got a bonus, one in Group D for, for Edge, uh, with England, Japan, Argentina and Scotland. And for young Willem, Italy, Australia, Brazil, 
and Jamaica. So we've got a bit of work to do, Rob, in Group E and F. Still alive, and still alive, still kicking. We may come back from worse positions than we have, mate. Copper America news: Argentina sit bottom of Group B after two games played, with Lionel Messi stating their loss to Colombia had them feeling bitter. That was their first loss to Colombia in 12 years, and they followed it up with a one-all draw with Paraguay and must now scrap for a third-place spot to advance. Meanwhile, Brazil and Peru sit atop Group A on four points, having both beaten Bolivia and defeating Venezuela. And from an Asia perspective, Qatar sit third in Group B, while Japan went down 4-0 to Chile in their first match. Funny about the Brazilians, it's... um They've been booed off twice now, hmm. uh, or, or in two, on two occasions, and uh, you know they're pretty hard taskmasters. <laughs> the old Brazilian fans, they mark, they mark you pretty, pretty strong. Well, so. they, it's going to take a long time for them forget to forget the um, the humiliation of yeah. that semi-final loss uh, when they hosted the World Cup, and uh, I, I don't know how many players are still playing. Neymar's obviously not in this tournament, but uh, he was injured that day as it was. Um, but um, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I remember that. Uh, I remember that clearly because Charlie, my little fella, yeah. uh, always likes making tea. And I think it was at seven in the end. Mm. Was it seven? Yeah. He missed five of them making tea. <laughs> and he was absolutely ropeable. Didn't think to call him in, Dino? Well, no, it was like he'd just go in then and we were yeah. watching. And it's a goal. Charlie's another goal. Killed him. Luis Enrique has permanently stepped down as manager of Spain, having been absent for the last three months dealing with a personal matter. Caretaker Robert Moreno will take up the job permanently. Moreno has overseen Spain's blistering start to the Euro 2020 qualifiers, winning their first four matches. It's been a bit of a poison chalice of late, gents. That's the fourth Spanish manager in 12 months. Yeah, they go down pretty quickly in Spain, and they again very tough on uh, on their managers. But uh, you know, if it's a personal problem, you've got to take respect out of that. There's obviously a reason yep. he's had to leave, and uh, it's like anything: as one door shuts because of some misfortune, uh, another one opens for somebody to jump in and well, four wins out of four. Who was the uh, the Spanish coach that? Uh, that um, signed up with Real just before the World uh, Cup. Lopetegui. Yeah. Yeah, Lopetegui, yeah. yes. Lopetegui, sorry. Yes, uh, so, so he, he, he <laughs> signed up with Real, uh, got sacked from Spain, and then what, about two months later got sacked from, from Real. Real yeah. What's he doing now? <laughs> Not too sure. He's looking for a job on, on Box to Box, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think he did get a job with one of the lower left clubs. <laughs> and just finally, to a bit of management news across Europe, AC Milan have appointed Marco Giampolo on a two-year deal with an option for a third. It comes in the same week Juventus announced Maurizio Sarri would join them from Chelsea on a three-year deal. This has set the dominoes falling, Dino, with Chelsea stating they're after Frank Lampard. They are. Derby. Oh, I think it's pretty well done. Just about yeah. done. Yep. Yeah. Is that a good decision on Frank's part? Yeah. Look, I think so. I think so, only purely because, one, you know, it's the club that he... he I mean, he's the... Mm, legend. It's a dream legend. Job. I mean... Family legend. Unbelievable uh, career at Chelsea from, from playing at West Ham and obviously with England. But I think I think when they start calling back, and I think because of... I'm hoping because of the embargo on their transfers, that then they'll bring a lot of these young lads... Um, Mm-hmm. With Jody Morris as well, with Jody like knowing mm-hmm. all of the players, and a lot of them have grown up with him. Do you think so, Sari was stiff though? I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, very he, much uh, so. He just about ticked every box, but he was under hiding or nothing. It you know. was two things. It was most probably. No, I don't think it was one thing. I think it was just their style of play, mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, again, but the results-wise, based on all of the hurdles, yeah, I thought he did well, Sari. Excellent. All right, boys. Well, uh, um, thank you, Willem. Thank you, Rob. Uh, we, we are going to talk to Rob Tanner.
next. Um, it's uh, all excitement over there in England, it's a bit, uh, isn't it? and they do know how to get excited when they one do. of their songs is going okay. <laughs> they, do. they go early, they go <laughs> exactly. very early. Exactly, but then, but no one does heartbreak like the English as well when they go out, do they? So uh, anyway, that's all next. We're going to talk to Rob Town, the chief football writer of the next. The Leicester Mercury next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. One of our favourite guests is always the chief football writer of the Leicester Mercury. We usually talk to him about the Premier League, but this time uh, we want to talk to him about how the Lionesses... uh, same team, but a different pride. I like that promotional tagline that the uh, English FA is using to promote the team. And uh, we might think that the Matildas are going okay, but the uh, Lionesses are just motoring, Rob. Um, how are you, mate? I'm good, thank you very much. Yeah, it's the football's never-ending, isn't it? It's all year round now, and uh, mm. so I'm enjoying that as well. Yeah, so, so um, the, the, the question that, that we wanted to ask was, how is um, England reacting? Because, uh, you know, Australia, we often don't have a hell of a lot to crow about when it comes to football. And, uh, you know, if the, uh, if the Socceroos qualify for the World Cup, we're generally happy. And then we talk them up uh, um, as, as great chances to get out of the group stages. And we've only ever done that once um, in the history of the tournament. So, uh, you know, you're, you're more likely to be talking about how far England can go in a men's tournament. Uh, so on the basis, that your expectations are generally high around the men. What's the sense of, um, of support for the women um, in this World Cup? Well, the, the opening game against Scotland, six million people watched it on terrestrial television. So, I mean, that makes a massive difference, the fact that you know, it's free to air, um, anybody can watch it, it's not stuck away on a satellite yeah. channel or any, yeah. anything like that, and that's important for the game, uh, to women's game. And, uh, so I think, yeah, it's, although there isn't the, quite the World Cup fever that we experienced last year, it's a bit of a slow uh, burner, but the... Um, there is a lot of interest in it still. There's, it's getting a lot of coverage in the media over here as well. Mm-hmm. And um, the game's being on television uh, every day. But all the games, pretty much, are on one of the BBC channels. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, the figures are very impressive so far. And um, in terms of um, Gary Neville as, as coach uh, uh, from a... a, you know, a, a, a a side, a, a family who have got such football pedigree, but not only football pedigree, but sporting pedigree with his uh, um, sister coaching the, the national netball side as well. Uh, it's um, he, he really seems to have pulled uh, together a, a great culture in that side. Yeah, absolutely. He's got like a family ethos going on uh, with it. He's not only their manager. He's um, obviously there's a, a few of them have had a few emotional yes. uh, issues during the tournament because of um, lost loved ones, mm. and um, he handled that superbly as well. He's saying all the right things in the media as well, fostering that team spirit, that togetherness. Because you've got to have that sort of um, that, that feel when you're away at a tournament. You know that you're all in it together. Uh, there's no factions in the in the group. You've, you're all one as such, and uh, he's. He's saying all the right things. It's very reminiscent, actually, of um, Gareth Southgate and the way he handles the men's team and how he's brought all them together. Because before in the men's national side, there'd always be like a, a little clique of Man United players or Liverpool players mm. and the rivalry between them. And but he managed to, uh, Gareth Southgate has managed to get rid of that in the men's uh, game, and um, Phil Neville's managed to keep the, the girls all together. Because some of these girls play abroad as well now, and mm. you know, playing at Barcelona and Paris, and it's all. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's done it very impressively so far, and uh, let's see how far they can go in the tournament. There's some good sides in there, though, as well. I mean, the Americans have looked so impressive so far, though they haven't really played top opposition yet. And, and your Matildas are going well, with Sam Kerr scoring all the goals, so um, mm. there's going to be some sterner tests ahead. Yeah, Rob, it's Dean here. Hope you're well. 
I'm good, thanks, Dean. How are you? Yeah, going well, going well. Uh, so, like, obviously, we've got Norway in the uh, in the round of 16, and I think if things were to transpire, there is a possibility that we play England in the quarters. So, if it got to that, uh, based on what you've seen so far, uh, who would you be? Uh, pinning, not not so much pinning your hopes, but what would your prediction be on who'd, who'd come through to the semi-final? It would be a shootout between the two centre forwards, I think, because um, England has struggled to score a few goals. They're a bit reliant on Ellen White, and obviously, as I've just said, Sam Kerr scoring all the goals for Australia. So, whoever of those two is on song of the day, be very evenly matched. I mean, I think my, my little concern for England is that the games I've watched. They struggle to see games out. You know, they get ahead in games and then um, they, they hang on in there. They have little spells in the game where they give, a bit like the men's team actually, where they give uh, the opposition a, a bit of incentive uh, to come on to them and uh, it, they look like they could fold, but then they come back. I mean, they did that last night against Japan. They got one in the second <coughs> second half late on when Japan were by far the better side for 20, 25 minutes. So Australia would certainly have their spells in the game. It just come down to who takes the chances when they come along. Now, obviously, this is old news, but um, obviously the uh, the United States game against Thailand. Uh, over here, there was quite a lot of backlash. What was it like over in England? On Not so much that they were beating them and smashing them around the park, but just the, the way they behaved when they scored each goal. Uh, there was a lot of uh, chat about it, a lot of um, reports about it being bad for the women's game. Um, you know, the game's come on so much. Not so much the, the behaviour of the American players when they scored, but, uh, cause, you know, because you're entitled to celebrate a goal, but uh, obviously when you're 13 up, you're rubbing the salt into the wounds of the, uh, the opposition. But the fact that you've got mismatches like that at a World Cup final, mm. really that's not great for the No, for the it's tournament. not true. You, know, you want competition all the way through. Um, you don't want to see t- sides getting absolutely drubbed. I mean, the next game when they actually scored a goal, they lost five-one again, didn't they, Thailand? And uh, and mm. they, they was, the the coach was in tears because uh, they'd actually scored a goal. I mean, when you get to a World Cup finals, it should shouldn't be that shouldn't be the case. And I, say, I suppose that's something for them to look forward to, uh, look at, sorry, in the future. So that um, you know, when you get to a, a World Cup finals, it should be the pinnacle of your playing career, and you're coming up against the best in the world. And that obviously wasn't the case. I mean, the USA reigning champions, they are a strong, strong side. Um, those girls have been professional for a number of years in America, so um, you know they, they, everybody else has been playing catch-up with them for a while, um, but they are catching them up, and uh, it'd be interesting to see how the Americans get on when they come up against top opposition, and I believe they're playing Sweden today, and they're not bad, so that, that might be a bit of a sturdy test for them. And it wouldn't be a, um, a big tournament these days if there wasn't a VAR controversy in this time, the poor Scots... Uh... Uh, you know they, they they can't have a lot to complain about after leading three 0 with 16 minutes to go. Um, so when you concede three late goals, but uh, but what's going to happen uh, when we when we go into the to the Premier League? Is, is the, we're going to see a lot more penalties converted and a lot fewer saved with this ridiculous new rule? Well, VAR is a massive um, concern for everybody. It's coming to the Premier League next season and. We've seen how it's being used. It's not so much the technology that's a problem. Mm. I mean, I believe the technology should be used for matters of fact. Mm. Was mm. it inside the area? Was it outside? Was it offside? Was it not? Uh, was it over the line? But um, it, they, it, a lot of time it's been used uh, for judgment calls as mm. well, which I think is probably the wrong use for it. Yeah. Uh, we saw in the, the Nations League when uh, uh, Callum Wilson scored for, for England. It was like his first goal for his country. It was a magic moment. He turned away to celebrate. It was a, a tap-in. And then VAR got involved, and they mm. saw him tug a defender slightly in the build-up yeah. uh, before he got on to the end of the uh, of the, the cross, uh, the, the, the rebound. And uh, you know that's just—I mean, strikers won't want to celebrate a goal in case it gets chalked off. And if they're going to 
start looking retrospectively at little tugs or pulls inside the area in the build-up to goals, every time the ball goes in the box, they're going to have to have a look at it as well, because defenders do that all the time on strikers. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we were led to believe the VAR was going to lead, lead to more goals, um, but it doesn't seem to be the case. And the, the penalty decisions, I mean, the, the first one we saw in the tournament um, against Argentina was at the Japan goalkeeper. She, um, uh, she barely had a foot over the line, and yeah. the rule is you've got to have part of your foot on or touching the line. Yes. And she was, it was a matter of inches, and mm. so mm. she wasn't really gaining any sort of an advantage. But if they're going to pick those fine, infinite details, they're going to open up such a can of worms for themselves. It's going to be horrendous. And, and we're going to see long delays in games, and we saw it in the Scotland game last night. And, and there was forever. also the question about the amount of, of extra time. They, they seemed like that, 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 that decision, there were five minutes of, of time added on. The decision took probably three minutes, and then uh, the, the referee blew her whistle at the 37 seconds to go. And both teams were a chance of being the, the, the lucky third-place side and, and, uh, and objected to the whistle being blown. Well, exactly. They both needed a winner. Yeah. They both wanted to go on, and the game was prematurely... I mean, if you're going to stop the game, there should be a big clock in the, all the grounds now. Every time they stop the, uh, the, the clock for a VAR check, so you know exactly how long they should be playing. shouldn't be left to the referee and his watch. Everybody should be aware of it. And I think there should be more transparency in VAR as well. I think people in the ground should see what um, the VAR referees see as well. Um, mm. I think that would um, solve a lot of the, uh, sort of the mistrust of the technology as well. Yeah. Uh, it might cause a, a bit more of a stirring in the grounds as well, especially when you see decisions like that first penalty I discussed when the goalkeeper was literally, her back leg was literally about an inch mm. away from the line. Um, I think that might cause a few ruptures, but I think it's better long term for some transparency in the decision making. We'll put you on the spot a little bit here, Rob. Um, now, obviously, uh, we're going into the round of 16 as of like uh, the next 48 hours that, that will be will be there and will have arrived from there. Prediction now on the four semi-finalists. Who's going to the semi-finals? Well, I'll tell you the four best teams from what I've seen so far. I mean, obviously, I've not looked at the uh, permutations of who will meet who, or they'll go from the yep. pathway through to the semi. But um, America are up there. Um, Brazil have got some talented girls as well. I'm not quite sure about, I'm not quite convinced about England yet, although they're up there, one of the, the favourites. France have looked great. I think if you keep your girl Kirk up scoring the goals, you've got a great chance as well. And so I think there'll be, there will be no surprises. Think in the later stages, I don't, I can't see any sides that are going to cause an upset and be a massive shock in this tournament. Germany have always been strong, but I haven't seen a lot of them so far. Um, they haven't, they have, their game, women's game, has sort of taken a little dip in recent years. They were very, very strong, dominant in Europe, but uh, that's not been the case uh, for a couple of years. So um, it, I don't think there'll be any surprises in that, that last four. Okay, all right, Rob. Well, you enjoy the rest of the tournament. Hopefully, not for too long because uh, the only um, disappointing thing would uh, about the potential matchup between um, the Matildas and the Lionesses is that it's not deeper into the tournament because from our uh, country's point of view um, it just would be incredible to, to have an Ashes uh, uh, final in an Ashes year but um, it's not going to happen um, and hopefully we'll, um, we'll at least get to enjoy it at the, uh, at the quarterfinal stage uh, if, uh, if both teams can make it that far. So, mate, um, good luck between now and then. And uh, um, as always, uh, Mr Tanner, thank you for joining us on the show. Oh, and I hope that we do get that clash as well, because when it comes to whatever sport, England versus Australia, is always something special, even if it's tiddlywinks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Good on you, Rob. Thanks again, mate. Cheers, Cheers. Rob.
Thanks a lot. Chief Football Writer of the Leicester Mercury, Rob Tanner. Stick around because we're actually going to talk some non-World Cup football next, aren't we, Dino? We're we certainly get, are. Uh, well, I mean, to have a yarn about um, what else is going on in Europe before the Women's World Cup will finish, and then we'll be starting to talk about the Premier League in no time at all. <laughs> next will. on Box to Box. Box to Box. The Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, the king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box. It's been a Women's World Cup show, World the Wall show tonight, and um, we've been enjoying it. But there is a little bit of football going on around the rest of the world, and uh, so we've got the um, the Copper America and the the Under 21s Euros going on, Dino. They certainly right? are, yeah. So, so there's, a, there's a bit going on. Argentina. Nigel. Um, uh, sorry. Nigel. Lionel. Nigel's our panel uh, <laughs> operator. Lionel Messi Nigel is Messi. the best game player oh. in the world. <laughs> Hang on. He's bloody Argentine, mate. That's not his accent. So uh, what's going on there, Dana? Look, I think I said it from the outset, you know, when we talk about Maradona. And um, I don't think it's going to change. I think it's a totally different Argentina to the days... He not only played with some really good footballers, but he was an outstanding player himself. I think with the Argentina uh, situation is um, that they're just struggling. And uh, speaking of, of Maradona, um, we've got to do something on the Maradona documentary. Yeah, Hearing coming Amazing up. things about that. Yeah, so me too. So. We'll have to, um, to, to do a feature on, on that. No, so, definitely. But look, I mean, Argentina, you know, I mean, they're still in it. I mean, there's, there's still one more game. Uh, sorry, plenty more games to play. Um, um, but basically, Brazil again the, the, the top of their top of their league uh, on four points, along with Peru, mm. uh, with Venezuela in third and Bolivia with no points. But again, you know, we mentioned it. Um, I think earlier in the show about you know the, the Brazilian fans uh, not really supporting you know some of them may, maybe the way they've been playing. Yeah, very interesting one. They seem very sort of temperamental, Dino. Uh, Brazil have never hosted the Copa America and not won it, so it seems like even if they do manage to maintain that record, it might not be enough to win the fans back over. No. They might have to do it on the world stage again uh, to win to win the support back. Your thoughts on on Brazil? Have you seen, have you watched much of I'm it? Not, no, no. I, I mean, I watched I watched it for about a half, and they're always in control. Um, I think that was the game uh, against Bolivia, but mm-hmm. Bolivia they looked pretty ordinary, yep. to be fair. Um, See who's been good is Uruguay. Yeah, they have. I mean, um, look. Uruguay are a top side. I mean, that's going to Group C. That's Chile, Uruguay, Ecuador and Japan. They don't to me seem as... Like, there's, there's a brittleness about Brazilian football these days at the international level that um, that I can't ever recall over the years. They always seem to have that that, that mesmerising steel about them that you just knew that they were going to keep coming back at you. Yeah. But, you know, the Uruguayans, they'll, they'll always go down fighting. They don't seem to, uh, to have um, that brittle um, sense that... Um, you know, did, did well, even you know, even Uruguay when we were playing them mm. in the days when Australia were trying to qualify yeah. in that uh, South American route, uh, they were always tough games. Yeah, you know. yeah. No, never forget that night in uh, 2005. <laughs> Me Football. neither. Good to see Chile back up and about as well. They yeah. had a very successful period, their golden generation, if you like. Mm. They knocked us off in a World Cup match. They won a couple of coppers in a row, and there was an understanding Argentina yeah, around 
that group that they started to then act like rock stars within the country and sort of completely forgot about the football. They missed a World Cup. Mm. Their fans have jumped off them as well. So they had a 4-0 win the other day. Oh, so they might be Japan, yeah, yeah. back in business. No, definitely. Right, I mean, well, before we move on to um, the under-21s Euros, I just want to talk about uh, our friends at Storage King Boys because uh, this is one of those months. Wow, that was loud. <laughs> this is one of those months where if you need to store... You've got to get into Storage King because you're going to get one month free. You're selling your house. Potential buyers want to feel like they can easily fit all their belongings into your home. So that's why it's important to declutter. And now is the perfect time to go to Storage King because they've got lots of storage stuff at your place. So get your belongings out of your house. You'll find space at Storage King. It will make your home sale quicker and easier. Call 1-800-STORAGE or just make it easier. Go to storageking.com.au to find your nearest store. I was talking to Michael Alafarchi, the great uh, financial controller of that wonderful business earlier on today, and uh, he um, he's a huge football fan and very happy that Costa Barbarousas has uh, moved mm. from the Melbourne victory to uh, <laughs> Sydney FC. So good on you, Michael. There you go. <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do, boys? We're going to store it with Storaging, aren't we? Okay, Euros. Uh, I remember uh, listening to Talk Sport and saying you can't afford to lose your first game. No, you can't. And then England just and collapsed. They did. They did. Uh, great goal from Foden. Uh, superb run. Um, and and the finish was sublime. It was. Mm. He, he just dropped his shoulder, saw the keeper set, placed it. But. Again, comes in then as Chowdhury gets sent off. Uh, he's trying to win the ball, but he doesn't win it, and he, and he could have broken the boy's leg, to be fair. So it was a straight red, mm. and then obviously they actually saved the penalty, believe it or not. Anyway, mm. uh, the, the last goal was uh, Wambasaka, and mm. it was it was he's trying to clear it with his wrong foot, mm. and and it's just gone with his right foot, but it's just, instead of using his left, and it's flicked it back in the very last kick of the game. Mm-hmm. So what, what we've got here is there's three groups, Rob. It's Poland, Italy, Spain and Belgium, and in Group A, Germany, Austria, Denmark and Serbia. And then in Group C, there's Romania, France, England and Croatia. So as it stands right now, just with obviously the results, is that Romania and France have got off to winning starts. So England and Croatia up against it. Uh, Germany and Austria, again, winning starts, so Denmark and Serbia up against it. Uh, but Group A, uh, Poland played two and got six points. Mm. Uh, Italy uh, played two, three points with Spain and Belgium, uh, where the number one, I think, of all the European clubs, uh, sorry, uh, countries in Europe, like they're number one. Mm. Belgium, uh, no points, so it's going to be a little bit difficult, I think. Mm. Yeah, interesting to see the disparity between the Belgian senior setup and the youth setup. Doesn't bode well for future generations, if you like. But they're one of those uh, relatively smaller countries, oh, yeah, where well, they'll have those yeah, generational, yeah. unlike um, you know the, the big powerhouse um, Germany, countries, yeah. Netherlands, yeah, yeah. always churning them out. Yeah, yeah so it, it's, it's it's interesting. Um, um, have we got much time left, Rob? About a minute, Dino. So minute, OK, so I thought we might just go into a little bit of uh, gossip. Talking about uh, Juan Masaka, uh, a £55 million fee for the Crystal Palace, 21-year-old. Uh, looks like it could be getting very, very close. Mm-hmm. To Man United. To Man United, mm. yeah. Um, interesting as well. Uh, that Bayern Munich are set to rival Manchester City in the race for the 20-year-old, 22-year-old Spanish uh, midfielder Rodri uh, from Atletico Madrid. He wants to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, everyone thought, um, you know, he was going to City to to actually 
you know, fill that gap as that DM. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it'd be interesting well, to you see. Well, you know what now. we're going to do? We're going to get our mate Derek Dyson from WTFN to come in next week. And I was chatting to him the other day, and he's he's, uh, he's working on a little segment called the uh, the Transfer Merry-Go-Round. Yeah. So, um, Will, what have you got? And very briefly. Just on City, very quickly, Alexander Sinchenko, five-year deal, I believe, after okay. forcing his way back in last year. Oh, good okay. on him. Yeah. Well, well done, boys. I'll tell you who we got next. Michael Edgeley, the... Um, roaming reporter. That's exactly what I would have said if I had have thought of those words. The roaming reporter, the bag-eating, cheese-munching, non-surrender monkey, Michael Edgeley. Well, he, would, he wouldn't be back He wouldn't be back in now from that, would he? No, he wouldn't. Uh, next on Box to Box. Box to Box. The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box, and it is stoppage time. The fourth official gives us around ten minutes to talk to Michael Edgeley as he travels on his luxury coach between Grenoble and uh, I think Avignon before they uh, they uh, probably find some grassy green hillside, um, a, a little brook uh, babbling by, uh, snacking on some baguettes, some um, French cheese, <laughs> red wine. Is that what we're um, we're sort of setting up for you there, Edge? Yes, Rob. I'll probably take on a baguette today. Uh, you know, I like those. Um, no, Nigel's no, no, given us the, the, the French theme again. We're getting a... Oh, <laughs> oh, that's, enough. that's enough. No, no, we're... Um, Rob, we're having a great time over here. Obviously, uh, really buoyed by uh, the last two matches and mm. um, a Herculean performance by Sam Kerr uh, against Jamaica in Grenoble, which was a fantastic uh, stadium. It was a beautiful evening, too. It was Looked gorgeous. Very special being there. Great support for the Australians. No, oh, there's more for, for the, the Jamaicans, though, wasn't there? They were supporting Jamaica. There was, yeah. The neutrals decided they'd go for uh, the Jamaicans, the uh, underdogs. So every time Jamaica made a, um, a play forward, they had the, uh, the support of the neutral fans, the local people from Grenoble. So well, Johnny Infantino seemed to be barracking for them as well in the grandstand. Yeah, they're pretty excited when they got their first goal uh, in World Cup final football, and I saw Gianni Infantino was uh, was pretty happy. He was very happy. Did you see the photo of the Italian connection, though, Rob? The Italian connection. No. There was a photo going around uh, on social media of, of Remo Nogarotto, yeah. Joseph Carotti and Gianna Infantino. They all look pretty happy with themselves too. Oh, well, look, well, good to see the Aussie boys um, in, in their, their own, own lingo. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Willem looks like he's got something to say. Yeah, g'day Michael. Um, just looking ahead to the match against Norway, who would you, uh, looking at team news, who would you pick in the left-back spot of the two that have had a go there so far, Elise Callan knight or Carly Roostbacken? Well, it's interesting selection just on Carly uh, roast back in, or as, as uh, we had uh, Ray Dower, the uh, junior Matildas coach at our pre-match function, who calls her roast bacon and potatoes, roast bacon and potatoes. But uh, she did she did okay, didn't she, for her first game? She was very nervous early, which was probably to be anticipated. But a, a big selection call over Tegan Allen of Melbourne Victory and Gemma Simon of Newcastle Jets. I thought that was a pretty big selection. You know, Carly jumping over those two players. But uh, let's. Uh, I think um, Ante's managed the squad pretty well. He he's been able to give Caitlin Ford a rest. He's been able to give Haley Rasso a rest. He's been able to give um, Samika Yallop a rest. And Elise Callard Knight, she has to play in that left back position. I think the big selection will be Polkinghorne if Polkinghorne's fit. I'm actually not comfortable with Polkinghorne coming back into the team. I think we've done much better with um, Steph Catley and and Alana Kennedy in that central defensive pairing, and I do like when Elise Keller Knight plays left back. Don't forget, KK won a uh, position in the World Cup team in 2011 at left back. So she's used to playing there. I think she's very, very good. I was a bit nervous a couple of times. Uh, they got past Carly, the Jamaicans, and I think 
uh, Norway, if, if, if Carly rush back and plays, I think Norway will target her. So I'm really hoping that KK comes up and she can be fit. So uh, I think well done to Ante. He's managed the squad pretty well. I think he'll want to play his uh, front-line first team against Norway because we're down to that stage of the tournament where we've got to win. And we get uh, we get a, a quite a decent break if we beat Norway before we would play likely to play uh, England in La Haas. And just to give us a perspective of being inside the stadiums, they've all looked absolutely fantastic, especially Grenoble in the dusk uh, the other evening. Which has been your favourite of the three? Oh, look, they've all been fantastic. Um, I really enjoyed... Um, I mean, all the stadiums that, uh, that we've, we've been to have been you know, very small and boutique and uh, the crowd's been right on top of the players and the stadiums have been pretty full. So it's been great. But Grenoble, uh, Stade de Alps, you know, being able to look through the translucent roof up to the Alps when you're sitting there, it's just beautiful, all snow-capped mountains. It was such beautiful weather, the, the setting, the, the stadium's right in the middle of the city, in the middle of a park, so it's easy access. Um, it was just a very special night and uh, terrific to see so many travelling Australians and uh, the girls had great support, but uh, what a performance, Sam Pierre, four goals. Hey Rob, did you suck on it? No, God, you're a disgrace. <laughs> uh, you know, I'd say, in so far as uh, I was trying to be um, diplomatic, I was quite proud that uh, that Sam realised the error of her ways after the Jamaican game and acted uh, a bit more like an Australian captain in her post-match interview. So, no, I didn't suck on it. I was very happy with the way that she uh, she saw uh, the right thing to do, Michael. <laughs> well, you should have been sucking on it because she scored four goals. She was brilliant. I mean, it was the first time we'd seen her in the tournament get a little bit more space. She's clearly world class. She was the best player on the park by a mile. Yeah, she was good. A couple of interesting mm. stories too. We we ran into um, a couple of American guys who were married to two of the Jamaican players. And the number twenty, Jody uh, Jody Holt, I think her name was, um, played uh, the third game for Jamaica. Didn't play in the in the second one. Play the first. Only had a baby ten months ago, Rob. Wow. And she was out there flying her trade for her country, doing quite well. She played a great game. And I heard um, a stat so the, the other day that, that, that really interesting. Blokes like Ronaldo and Messi um, earn more in one day than just about every other single player in the entire tournament. So that that's a good example of, uh, you know, just what, um, what what tough women that we are watching um, in this tournament and uh, and how much uh, they more they deserve to be paid, mate, doesn't it? Oh, it certainly is. I mean, um, FIFA sitting on um, cash reserves of over two billion US dollars. You reckon mm-hmm. they would squeeze a little bit more prize money out for the women? But um, look, you know, that's that'll play out. But we all we, we all have the view that uh, it's not sufficient. Um, the, the whole tournament scene. Just, a, just some general comments about the tournament. Uh, in these smaller towns like Valenciennes and Grenoble, uh, Montpellier, the, the tournament is, is absolutely fantastic. Everybody's welcoming the uh, travelling fans with open arms. The teams are being greatly, are really well looked after. Um, the playing surfaces are absolutely spectacular. The training facilities are fantastic. It is a brilliant event, mm. and, um, and there's a great deal of momentum building. Uh, I hope that's the case in Australia too. Yeah, at 100%, 100% is. Yeah. Yeah, there's a real sense that that um, Australia's getting behind it and, um, and 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 riding this wave. If we can get over Norway, it will be massive against the Poms. It will be, um, but we've got to get over Norway. They've got two extra days rest in Venice. That worries me a little bit. Um, uh, we've only got really three full days rest. The girls travelled between Grenoble and Nice yesterday, so um, they'll, they'll have you know at least the three days running into the game. So it'll all be about recovery. Samantha Kerr did look a little fatigued at the end of uh, the Jamaica game. She's done a lot of work. She worked very hard in that match. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Ivy Lewick got her first time. Yeah, good on to the see. Park. You must have been happy about that. was terrific. Yeah, very happy for Ivy. Uh, she, she did well too. And 
Katrina um, Gorry, Minnie, uh, I thought she had a very good game. She was extremely busy and, and looked, um, you know, to be moving across the ground really well. So there's some big decisions in midfield for Hunter and the coaches to, to, to decide. Um, Emily Van Egmont's on a yellow card. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a few things to consider in the scope of the whole tournament. But uh, that, uh, we're at the round of 16 now. You've got to play your best team, I understand. Just talking about the, the best, uh, your best team, Ellie Carpenter. Um, in the past, maybe been criticised for certain defensive, like you know, frailties in her game. But I thought, uh, I thought she was good against Jamaica. I know Jamaica's Jamaica, but I thought she did really well. She's doing really well, Dean. Um, she's. Uh, I think the, the the sign for me was um, uh, she. I mean, there, there has been a lot of commentary about her defensive cover. They obviously give her a license to get forward. She, of course, she creates all sorts of problems when she gets forward. So they are covering for her. I did notice there was extra cover for her in this game against Jamaica, but uh, the, the, the sign to me that she's she's gaining respect is that the Jamaicans were trying to put her into the grandstand every opportunity yeah, they, they had. They did, they did clean her up at one point, so they were um, very wary of her. They didn't want her to get her to get the ball um, you know, down the right-hand side, especially when Australia was pushing forward, but I mean, Ali's been, uh, been playing really well. Uh, there is, you know, um, Melissa Barberi is travelling with us does believe that she could probably work on her defensive positioning to get turned over from time to time because she pushes so forward. But I, I just think they've given her a licence to attack and um, they're trying to cover for her through other defensive structures. Being on. That's the way I see it. Yeah, one, one may, not a major concern, but a concern. Uh, there has been talk you know, throughout the tournament and I think even in the, the games coming up to the World Cup where they were playing, whether it was a high line or a straight line, that they conceded against Jamaica where realistically there was only one runner that was going to get in behind them and they, they didn't seem to recognise it and then they slipped the ball through, which was a fabulous ball, and then obviously she got the other side and finished it well, I thought. But I think that's going to be concerning when you're playing against really top draw um, attacks. So I think that, that still might be something of an Achilles' heel for us. Well, you know, um, championship, you know, World Cup football, Dean. You know, we we know that the group games are, are definitely approached different than the knockout games. Of the group games, you need to score goals. Goal difference is important. So, uh, and we saw against Jamaica, Australia playing a very attacking formation and really pushing to get goals. I mean, it was very nervous last 15 minutes when we needed the fourth goal to just get over the top of Brazil in the second spot. But we know when the... When, when but the the Brazi- it wasn't amazing played. how the Brazilians just, just backed off and, uh, um, you know, they, they protected that lead when uh, when they had the chance, you know, if they had it, what was it, 15-odd minutes and then they didn't seem to realise or, or be prepared to, uh, to to take it on to avoid France in, the, in that knockout um, match. Yeah, that was, was strange. Whether they hadn't heard that Australia scored a fourth goal, I'm, I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, no, I was a bit surprised about that too, uh, Rob. But, but, you know, Dean, to get back to Dean's point, uh, the, the, the structure of the game's changed now. It's knockout. So, you know, having a um, holding on to a clean sheet becomes a really critical component in the knockout game. So whether that actually flows through to some structural changes in the way Australia uh, puts out the team on the park will be really interesting because we we know from previous World Cups that... Most of the teams do change their approach when they hit the knockout phase. It'll be really interesting to see what happens. And, um, you know, uh, obviously uh, our defensive frailties have been well documented and discussed. And uh, I thought we were better in that area. But for me, Steph Catley and Alana Kennedy at the moment have been playing yeah, well been good. Yeah, been good. Been good. Yeah. Well, Edge, we'll let you yeah. go, mate. Um, hopefully by the time we talk to you next week, we'll be... Uh, 
What will we be? Hang preparing? on, hang on. What about the what about the tipping? What about the tipping? Oh yeah. Well, well, the, 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 we'll I'll just give you a quick. You're look, not going it, any good. The only the only thing that you've got to know mm-hmm. is there's only two people and uh, one of them sitting here and one's on a train that uh, basically has got the jackpot. So Edge, you went three 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 and a bonus of six points. So that is a monty for your Group D predictions because you had everything correct. And young Willem in Group C got the chocolates the same way as you right. for the uh, for the Group C where. Italy, Australia, Brazil and Jamaica then got the bonus six. So me and Rob are behind the what you call what we call what we call eight it? Ball. Yeah, the eight ball. <laughs> but it feels like a sixteen ball. <laughs> Well, no, I don't. I'm not going to add that yet because you've had a couple of bad ones. Like you in, in Group oh, okay. A, you only got no, three we've points. We've got two groups to finish off. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'm looking good in those two, and and so is Rob. I'll be happy to take your congratulations Early. when we know the final group standings. So well, well, no, no, knowing, that, no, knowing it that you work on the theory that um, if you don't blow your own trumpet, nobody else will. Uh, we might not get That's the chance to congratulate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Safe travelling. Enjoy Safe. it. And um, we'll, we'll talk to you next week. Okay. Cheers, guys. Have a good show. Yeah, good luck uh, to the Matildas, hopefully. By the time we talk to Michael next, they will have uh, done the, the job. But what is this music, Nigel? <laughs> oh. He's oh. lost in France. Body was quality. Well, well done, mate. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to cross our fingers, we're going to cross our toes, we're going to cross everything. By the time we talk next week, the Matildas are still making a mighty run. So join us next week when we go from one end of the pitch to the other. In the world game on a box to box. Oh, ho, ho, ho.